Welcome back to the Higher Career Podcast, everybody. The podcast full of wicked stories from the job market and experts showing us how to succeed in it. And today in the virtual studio with us, all the way from New York City, is Veronique Bogliolo for a brilliant conversation. Hi, Vero. Hi, how are you? Not too shabby. Better now that you're with us. Now, I have menaced and threatened Vero about five minutes ago with having to do her elevator pitch up a tall building, which those of you familiar with the show will either love or hate. And we'll just see how that goes. So, Vero, just let the people know, who are you? That's a great question. Who am I? Well, I'm holding multiple passports, multiple backgrounds, multiple <laughs> careers. I guess I'm multiple. Um, and uh, and today I'm a coach. I'm a leadership coach. I work with um, managers, directors, executives in helping them strive through their careers. Uh, I have a, a concept that I'm also working with, which is called Star Leadership. Um, I love uh, helping individuals reach their best, really, and um, dream and make happen a career that uh, they all wanted and were not even daring to think of. I guess that's my secret dream for them. Well, this is a really good elevator pitch. I don't know why I said that I menaced and harassed you with it. Before we hop into this episode, which really is just a good chat and a brilliant conversation, you mentioned coaching and knowing what I know about you and having spoken to you about it in the past, it still appears to be a concept that most people perceive as something reserved for the C-suite and leadership of big companies. So let's just bust a myth quickly. Is coaching just for the already rich and powerful? Of course not. <laughs> and you knew the answer. Of um, and no, 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 no. And I think we're a generation, and I say we because I work with a number of peers, where we firmly believe that it should be democratized uh, to more than uh, just a few happy fews that are rich and maybe famous <laughs> or wanna be <laughs> or wanna be famous. And no, in fact I think that the lower we go into an organization and the healthier we make these individuals, the healthier leaders and executives we will have in the near future. And maybe that could help even the future of capitalism to a certain degree. And I firmly believe that um we have a role to play. We coaches, executive coaches, have or leadership coaches, have a role to play in helping companies become healthier places. And if companies are healthier places, I think it helps people make healthier decisions and mm. possibly help healthier for a number of aspects like climate change, equality, the future of capitalism, that's something quite important for me uh, in the sense of managing resources in the future in a better way. Mm. So, no, I mean, the impact that coaching could have is really on a longer perspective. And for me, it's an essential element to uh, make the workplace a, a better place. Mm. I mean, we will get to that point a little bit further down the line in this episode that coaching is not something to be perceived as elite um, or something born out of out of a sad moment in your life. It really has to do with empowerment and taking power for yourself, which the world needs. The world needs us all to come alive and not just slap along through our workday. But because I know you and because um, I like that you have 
frank attitudes towards certain topics, I'm going to abuse this episode um, with you and dive into something that has, I don't want to say plagued this podcast, but has accompanied us in the world of love your job for quite some time, which is the idea that good advice is really easy to follow. If you are on Instagram and you see any of these um, young entrepreneurs having made it, dishing out advice, like you just have to get up early in the morning and embrace the day, you know, it's all about that Dolce Vita and all your dreams will come true. Now, I want to talk about energy because what happens most of the time People get told to go bring their car to the garage if the check engine light is on. So imagine you're at your career, you start to, in your job, you start to get a bit more tired and, you know, maybe you have the Sunday blues and you don't want to go to work on a Monday. Most people will just slap on because they have to and they wait for way too long until eventually the engine catches fire. They've got screaming children, a barking dog. They have a water damage in the basement. They have to work. They hate their job. Management is toxic. And they are just drained of energy. The good advice won't help them. So what I would like to talk about with you today is what do we say to those people that need energy to change things about their lives, but they have already waited for such a long time out of fear or out of life necessities of having to pay rent that they can barely get up in the morning? There's a concept that I like, which is about location. First of all, Understand where you are. Are you in the basement? Are you in the stairs? In between the basement and the ground floor? Are you in the attic? Where are you vis-a-vis yourself? Like, name it. Uh, and once you've named it, 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 it helps already understand what's the magnitude of the effort I have ahead of me. Until you haven't figured that out, you, you won't be effective in putting something in place. Uh, and practically speaking, I know that to create a better and a, a better balanced life, there are seven elements that can be very useful. It's a little list. I'm not a big fan of lists, but that's one of the <laughs> few ones I have. Um, and it's called the seven keys to neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity, as the name says it, it's about having flexibility in your neuronal connections. It's about the ability that your brain has to embrace new situations and create new situations. So until you don't apply those keys to neuroplasticity, plasticity, you will not be able physiologically to create new habits and new ways of looking at mm -hmm. things and new ways of doing things. Because when you're down in the basement, you obviously have to change something to climb back up. So the basement symbolizing a place we don't want to be in. Yeah, a okay. place of darkness place mm -hmm. where there's light of lack or like lack of oxygen or lack of perspective. So my, my list is the following. The first key to neuroplasticity is relationship. And it's evaluating who is in real, real, are you having good relationships? And who is among your circle of relationships? People that will be supportive of you, comforting you, inspiring you, whatever is the kind of energy that you feel would be needed. Uh, and so relationship is important. It's important to create relationships. It's important to have them. It's important to nurture them. We are social animals and we need each other to go uh, somewhere. So relationship is the first item in your bucket list of seven that could help you metaphorically 
get out of your basement and you could choose where to go. Uh, maybe you want to stay in the basement, but it comes from a place of willing and not, you mm. know, that's where I'm finding myself to be. The second key to neuroplasticity is relevance. Finding somewhere in your life something relevant that you're doing. And if you don't find something relevant, put it in. Bring it into your life. What is it that would be important for me to bring in my life that is relevant? And you might not find relevance at work. I get that. But maybe you have you find relevance in participating in the kitchen, in the popular kitchen soup of your village to mm. help people who are knitting. And maybe you find relevance in that part of your life. Maybe you find relevance in uh, in how you help your kids becoming adults. I mean, wh- whatever it is in your life, make sure that you find a relevant place for you to be. The third item is novelty, and I cannot emphasize how much novelty is an important one, and at least to me. I know I'm stimulated by new things. Bring newness somewhere in your life, and it is not that complicated to do. Mm. Uh, It can be discovering the village next door that you have never been to. It can be trying bicycles after 30 years. It can be trying a whole set of new cuisine. I mean, you want to all of a sudden explore Asian food. Bring in novelty. And COVID, if, if you allow me to do here a, a little uh, deviation toward a personal example. Yeah, sure. During COVID, that was, you know, I did that exercise with my coach during COVID and I realized my life was boring to death and monotonous and repetitive. It was this never-ending <laughs> groundhog dog day type <laughs> of life. I was losing the sense are we Monday, are we Tuesday, are we Wednesday that yeah, we can yeah. look, look the same as this week. <laughs> and I realized there was no novelty. I was in absolute repetition. And I decided that that's what I needed. So I said, how can I bring novelty when you're in lockdown and cannot move much? So we did something very kind of silly with my husband but until today it made my life that day <laughs> we took a we took a cab with our dog victor that you might hear in the background he's being vocal he's <laughs> just right now he's vocalizing but he's allowed to we love victor <laughs> so with victor who was equally bored as as we were we took a cab all with our mask and our gears and you know uh, are super protective, uh, super protected. We took a cab, went way north Harlem, and decided from Harlem, as I live in New York, to walk down all Central Park from the north part. We had never visited this uh, part of the park. We took a little picnic, uh, and you know, very simple, nothing very fancy, and just discovering another part of the city that we didn't know was mm-hmm. our act of novelty. Until today. I remember how much that switched my mood. Mm-hmm. That really took me elsewhere. Like I felt I was traveling. I felt I was discovering. I was honoring some of my key values. Came back totally re-energized, a different person. I've, to me, this is really, this is really, some, really interesting and inspiring to hear you bring examples of things that you can do in your day-to-day life. Because when you are in the basement. And you are drained of energy. So we said screaming children, screaming dogs, quite possibly bills to pay, mortgages weighing down on you. Work is not going great. And it just all seems too much. 
thinking about and devising solutions can feel equally as overwhelming because you already don't have any any juice left. And I think, and then please go on with this list because it's so genius. Uh, these are small interventions that you can do that have a disproportionately larger effect than just taking a cab down the road and actually walking a new part of the city. So I think this is wonderful. Yes, absolutely. That's why I'm, I, I was interested in this exam in this example because it's not about doing gigantic, you know, things mm. or costly by that matter. It's it's really about being conscious that this is what I need. That's why I started by the first thing is you need to start naming where you are, because when you know what's ahead of you, you can deal with it. And if you feel like, you know, what I need is rest, which is coming next on my list, mm. I am physically not rested enough. I'm not, I'm sleeping five hours. That is factual. I have not enough sleep. For most people, that's not enough sleep. So how do I include some sleep? How do I include some rest? Because if I'm not having enough rest, I cannot function emotionally at the right level. It is just mm. not possible for you, for anybody. Rest is a key essential part in having a brain that functions logically, rationally, calmly, in a balanced way, doesn't see always the bad everywhere. That a lot is driven by rest. That's mm. why mothers will understand when they're sleep deprived, they're no longer having the patience they need with their kids. They might even go deep into baby blues and other factors, which is also partly driven by hormones. But when you sleep, you help your body recover his regular regulation, hormonal regulation. So rest is not just for the sake of resting. It's because the body literally needs mm. to to reassess itself, to reset itself. So rest is another element of, of the seven keys to neuroplasticity. Another one that I like a lot, another one that is also not complicated to put in practice, it's either playing humor or movement. Mm -hmm. Hence, people doing some sport and feeling good, or a good walk out of uh, out of your apartment, or a little trip in nature, mm -hmm. uh, or a good afternoon in front of a stupid movie that makes you laugh. Mm -hmm. Playing humor and movement are also key to helping the brain restabilize and seeing the world in a different way, and. Why? Very simply, because you reorchestrate inside yourself your hormonal influx, and literally you boost your dopamine and you lower your cortisol levels when you do move around or play or or uh, have humor. What I like about playing, if you think about it, that's the way kids discover the world. Mm. Kids discover the world not because they go to school, but because they play. They play in the space. They run around, they fall, they tumble, they go on their bicycle, they fall more, they experience fire, they experience falling on the nose, falling on the butt. I mean, playing. Mm -hmm. Playing is a big way of exploring the world and discovering other aspects of yourself that is energizing. And that's also a way to bring novelty, by the way, when you play. Um, you bring novelty in your life because you experience something else. So playing humor and movement, a big component to um, be able to get energies from somewhere. Mm. And finally, 
Another area that helps you um, find maybe more intellectual energy than physical energy, but it's about our view about mistakes. And again, seeing mistakes, many ways to see it. It can be a failure, or you can say, I've learned. The kid that goes and burns himself, you can say it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what is it? Is learned. Is learned that putting your hand on the fire is dangerous. I shouldn't do it again. So was it a failure? No, it was a learning. And yet it was also a mistake. So looking around your life and saying, what am I doing with such and such event that is painful to think of? Is it a mistake that I will drag all around and be shameful of? Or is it, yes, a mistake? And what did I learn from it that I won't repeat? Because mm-hmm. that's what life is about. So that I'm saying and I'm insisting because it's an other way to wire your brain so that you can take energy out of something that you did. I made the wrong choice of a partner. I'm divorced. I divorced. My husband was not the right one or my wife was not the right one, the right partner. Yes, maybe a mistake. Maybe you should have read some signals earlier, possibly, probably, actually. And yet, what is it that I can take from that? Mm. Where is my learning? Where is it that without that experience, I would be less advanced? And, and how do I take energy out of that because mm-hmm. I now have learned something that I will not repeat a second time, possibly. So those are my seven keys to neuroplasticity. I really work with my clients to help them elaborate concrete mm-hmm. steps for each of these items. Literally, uh, I tell them, take a pen, write down under novelty, <laughs> what do you plan to do? And her relevance, what do you plan to do? Where is mm. something relevant in your life that you can you know, increase and, and hump up? And in terms of relationships, where is it that you can make more relevant and more novel relationships maybe? You start mixing two items together. Um, and uh, we go like this through the list and I follow up on their progress. Uh, because sooner or later, once they go through the lists, I can observe factually that mm. the um, energy levels is changing. You know, what I find interesting, because so one, the big laugh is that you said, I normally don't love a list. Um, the pre, the pre episode preceding this one was with a communications friend of mine, and we both established that we do, in fact, love a list. But it's mostly for the listening pleasure of um, any of our audience members, because lists are more easily remembered. So my last follow-up question for this, and then we have another beast to conquer and attack. Thank you, number one. And number two is... If I understand correctly, this is not a seven-step magical formula that you need to complete in combination in order to achieve greater neuroplasticity, hence giving you more energy, hence allowing you to go to where the problems lie in your world. And this is a career show, so say a job that you don't like. You can work on any of these individually within the scope of what you can do and achieve greater neuroplasticity. So if more sleep is currently not an option because of the three screaming children and the dog and the thing. Mm-hmm. You can try and work on playfulness or on novelty and get that neuroplasticity boost that way. Am I right? 
That's absolutely correct. Like you can work on them individually or in combination. Mm. Uh, frankly, working on the seven of them at the same time seems a bit overwhelming. So I'm not sure I would go there. But a couple of them, uh, and they can be a combination. Like you, movement and novelty can be together. Like a trip, a trip abroad mm. would be movement and novelty. So that you would take two boxes in one. But it's not a must that you need to combine them, but you could mm. combine them. And even rest, just to even acknowledge I need rest is important because you might not be able to put more hours of sleep, but knowing that it's there and that it's yours to ta tackle at some point, mm. you will get there. If you don't even acknowledge that's what you need, then you will never get there. So the fact that you have yourself and you know i i often say on relationship where do you stay from the scale from 0 to 10 where do you think you stand mm. and then the person will say i'm 10 or 8 let's say for the sake of this example and a 7 where do you feel on relevance oh on relevance i'm 4 my work sucks novelty uh these days covid days blah, four okay <laughs> and so on and so forth and then you look at the person you map a little have a little um, diagram like a star with and i say okay now that you see that what's the area that you want to start just the first one mm -hmm. and do some concrete steps like one or two little okay. actions that's how i go about it which, to bring it back to my original question, and then we will move on to a terrible preconception that I think lots of us have in this brilliant conversation. If you are drained of energy, you can't fix the things that are draining your energy. And what people then try to do is force and squeeze harder. And it's not a sustainable path to actually getting out of whatever pickle you find yourself in. So working along these seven markers of... Uh, to improve your neuroplasticity is a really, really helpful solution that I will actually start implementing this afternoon, where I will go for a swim in the bitterly cold lake and then take myself out for dinner, which I have not done in years and years. So novelty oh. and play. And yeah, and movement. And movement. And here you go. Likelihood is tonight you will sleep better. So your rest quality will improve. So hence tackling number four, which is great because there's amount of sleeping <laughs> quality of it. Um, I mean, let's cruise on because we can stay on yeah. the energy topic for years and years. But what I would like to also talk about, which has irked me throughout the life of this podcast, and I'm not saying that any of our guests have proclaimed any such thing, but I have noticed that a lot of people and this, these are tales brought to us by other podcast guests feel like they have they've been raised to go it alone in life but specifically also at work you need to be solely in charge of your good fortune and the direction that your career is going into and despite it being everywhere and being in everyone's mouth very few people actually realize that it does in fact take a village to get your life to do it and to live it and to live it fully and at work you may have a buddy program when you start your career journey you might have a mentorship program you there might even be um, external coaches and those are two very different things as you will elaborate in a second i suppose 
But very few people action them, and it still appears to be very stigmatized. And then when you start talking about mental health, and this discussion is very hot at the moment, getting the aid of a clinician still is being hugely frowned upon as something to combat illness and disease, which they do sometimes. But we're also talking about prevention and mental and emotional fortitude and staying balanced and good so that you can actually be of support and be of service to the world, your job, your community, your family. So what do you think about that notion that people tend to still believe that they have to be able to do it all by themselves? I don't know where it comes from, but um, in society, I mean, that, that's a new concept. But what I know is at work, it always felt strange to me that the uh, evaluations and the um, remuneration promotion schemes were based on single individual mm. contributions when there is no way on earth that you achieve those things by yourself. And just to give you an example, um, when I was leading my, my a marketing team, a brand team that I was leading, a worldwide team, I was always sharing, reading them, literally my evaluation assessment. And I was telling this is the market I was given. And I was probably the only boss I ever heard doing that, totally being totally transparent. But why did I do that? It was not by demagogy or, you know, trying to be pleasing the troops. It was really because I truly believed that if I had achieved whatever I had achieved, it's because of their work too. So my success or my failures were their success or their failures. I mean, it was all one piece. And to a certain degree, I was very feeling, you know, that my assessment should be theirs to a certain degree. So I don't know where it's coming from, but I just know that the way bonuses and remuneration principles are built in large companies are promoting this sense of loneliness, are promoting this sense of I must succeed by myself. And by the way, I succeed against others. It, I succeed because mm -hmm. I do it better than others. And the more we put this better than idea in people's mind, the more you promote the sense that achievement is, only, is a lonely thing. I want to offer to completely reverse that. And it's an ancient African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go in many. The fact of being many helps you go far, truly, because nobody has all what it takes to achieve any big agenda. You can achieve a small agenda, but any big agenda necessitates many brains, many resources, different types of skills, different types of fortitude. People will you know, enter when others are slowing down because they're getting tired. New people will come and bridge the and bring the uh, level of energy uh, needed mm. in a project. So I don't know where it's coming from. I just know how wrong it is <laughs> to believe that and how the systems today, the, 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 the way the system is organized to, um, to, to, to uh, do the meritocratic aspect of it is just not uh, taking it the right way to promote mm. this, the real notion that we can only succeed in many. How, how would you advise people to go about this? Because every step of the way from growing up through go, even at school, where we have to compete for good grades and better grades, the system is teaching us that it's us versus the rest. Yeah. I think this was a really, really good point. And they are 
resources and services out there, whether they are paid for, whether there's somebody in your personal yeah, network that maybe I would has, ask you. Yeah. I, I totally get you. I would ask you, who is your team? Who is part of your team? Team as in an official team or team no, as in you're, team? You're, who is Team Vero? Who is behind Team Vero? Mm-hmm. I know. I know who is behind Team Vero besides myself, of course. <laughs> well, there's a designer. There's a web designer. There's a person who thinks about my article. There are my teachers. There are my mentors. There are my peers. That's Team Vero. Mm-hmm. I'm surrounded. I have a constellation of people around me that are genuinely wanting my success, whether I pay them or not. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. But uh, they are truly, int- and I know that for sure, that they're truly interested in my success. My clients are part of my team. Mm-hmm. I would ask, who is your team? Do you make sure you have enough team members, by the way? Do you make sure you have enough diversity in your team? So do you have both good peers? Good clients, in my case. Do you have honest clients in that sense that will give you good feedback, the, a real feedback vis-a-vis your services? Do you have, in my case, I need somebody to, a team to help promote my work. Do I have the best I can in that field? Do I have a coach? I do have a coach. I, any coach should have a coach himself. <laughs> uh, I do have mentors also. Um, they all play a different role. I have my bucket and I have everybody under my bucket. Mm. My my bucket being a coach, a mentor, a peer, a good client, a a boss if if that's the case. It not, doesn't need to be your boss, it can be a boss. Do I have, you know, the right um people around me? Am I surrounding myself by the right amount of not just the amount but the right kind of people? Who is my team? So the way in which you've grammatically phrased this sentence is actually wonderful because you have assigned the agency to assemble a team to yourself. Yes. Because this also happens often, hey, when people tend to um, get bitter and feel like they're alone, they're the only ones in the situation. Part of the team can also be, again, coming back to the job you hate or the toxic management that you're trying to escape. It's a very isolating and lonely thing. If your team is well-staffed, you will have people that have been through that before that can tell you you're actually not alone. It's it's uniquely painful, but it's a very common thing. And so for common things, they also tend to be common solutions that you can leverage because others have come before you. And whether this is a coach or a mentor or a peer or a client or uh, the team that you have hired to help you run your business, um, you're in charge of staffing it. And it by and large determines um, the success that you have in life. And being a former very senior tier person from a big corporation to now being um, an entrepreneur and running your own business, helping others finding agency and finding their voice to make a contribution to uh, to the world. Um, that and, and saying this is something that if it's my face on it, but I have my team and I have a support crew that don't all think for me, but they think with me. I think that's a very powerful thing to hear. Yeah, I think you said it in a very beautiful way. Uh, my job is to make sure I have a team mm-hmm. and the best possible team I can have. And I'd spend time thinking about that. 
I spent time choosing who was going to be part of my team. And it's not a closed team. It's not a fixed team. I mean, some people will come in and some people mm. will leave and new people will join depending on my needs, my own evolution. So I don't see that as a, you know, a permanent locked in team. But mm. I am constantly thinking about who should be in my team. My job is to make sure I am surrounded by the best possible people that will take, make sure that the best of me is visible. I cannot be my best if I don't have a, a great team around me. It's, I, I have that so clear, so clear. I mean, mm. and I, I don't say that I don't always feel, that I don't sometimes feel lonely. And then I, I'm like, hold on a minute, you have a team. Who in your team can help you for that? Yeah. And I cling back to my team. And then guess what? A good conversation with a couple of good team members will all of a sudden open areas, solutions, avenues, directions, hope, light, mm. end of the tunnel, you name it. And that's how I move ahead because I have a very strong team. A great conversation or a brilliant conversation to just cling on to the title of this episode. We actually, I'm looking at the time and we have determined that TikTok brain has ruined all of us for podcasts that are longer than half an hour. <laughs> so we had, Vero and I had thought about Speaking of our experience of what makes that rock star um, employee, but you know what? I feel like once you have your seven steps towards neuroplasticity in place and you have realized that you are entitled to and need to assemble your own team that makes up the whole of who you are, whether this is in your private life or at work that has your back, that gives you stability and lets you shine, I think that's the ingredients for for a rock star right there. So I say, let's skip it and leave it at that. I couldn't agree more with you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, this has been an absolute blast. Um, thank you so much for Doggy Victor, for keeping it together, remaining calm and composed for this uh, these uh, 35 minutes. Um, and also greetings to your husband, obviously. Um, who has who is who is part, both are part of my team <laughs> who is both are also part of your team but who has vacated the office so that you can record in peace this has been such a hoot thank you so much for coming on and having yet again a brilliant conversation with me thank you tom for allowing me to have such a brilliant conversation with you truly unique thank you so much thank you this was veronique bogliolo all the way from new york city people and there really is no lengthy outro because i wish you a wonderful day and as always let's go get it